You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Genesis 2, 1-3 Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Exodus 20, 8-11 Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, or any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 31. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tara. Um, we're going to start with a picture. A picture's going to come up on the screen. Um, this is a body of water with undercurrents, undercurrents under the water. I heard um, a church leader called Andrew Haslam, who leads an advanced church elsewhere in London, talk about being a Christian in London in 2022. And he said, it's a little bit like you're trying to stand still in a body of water where there are undercurrents shifting around you. It can be hard to hold your ground. He also said that the way it sometimes feels to be a Christian is that the shifts in the expectations of society, the the changes in the norms of people around us can sometimes mean that we feel pulled in a direction that we might not want to go. And we find that maybe emotionally, morally, spiritually, we end up in a place we didn't ever quite intend on going. In Romans 12, it says, do not conform to the pattern, perhaps the currents and the shifts of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Today, we are going to ask, does the pace that we live at at the moment in our lives conform more to the world's patterns or to God's? And are we ending up, because of undercurrents in our society, running at a pace that God never asked us to? Do we stop and enjoy what God has given us and enjoy the giver himself? And so this preach is on Sabbath, on rest. And I'm fairly sure this is an area that we all struggle with in some way or another. We're going to unpack what is the, the habit, the practice of a Sabbath and of rest, and what does it mean practically and biblically? And ultimately, part of our heart in doing this whole series is for us to reflect a bit 
and for us to have a desire to rest in God. A desire, whatever age or stage of life we're in, to rest in God. Now, John Mark Comer, who wrote that book that Pete was just waving around and some people got a free copy of, um, I found it really helpful. He puts up in the book um, some phrases that are associated with living a restful life and some phrases or words associated with living a relentless life. And uh, we're going to put them on screen. And I'm going to ask you, which phrases do you feel more accurately describe your life? The goal here isn't a guilt trip. We all struggle in different ways with rest. But I really love the restful common, uh, column. I look at that and think, amazing. And what I'd like to suggest is today's sermon isn't a formula or a guarantee to get it, but the habit, the practice of Sabbath and of resting in God is a really effective way for us to move from one column to the other. And uh, along the way, we're going to hear some percussion. There's a teaser for you. We're going to have some people up here to illustrate a point by acting. So that's going to be exciting. And I'm going to compare my iPhone SE with the Nokia 105. And the spoiler is one of them is more indestructible than the other. So all of those things to look forward to. So let's, let's start with the origin of Sabbath. We had these verses read out to us really well by Tara. We find in Genesis 2, God built a rhythm into the DNA of creation and the DNA of us as created beings, a rhythm of activity for six and rest for one. And so God created this template, but he also modeled the template, right? He also personally rested. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested. Josh is going to come up for a second. Josh and I went to school together. I don't know if all of you know that. We went to school together in Bedford years ago, and we first met playing music in the practice room. And um, behind me is going to come up a, a piece of sheet music. So it's a percussion stave in 7-4 time signature with six beats and then a rest. Now, sometimes in music notation, you have a little line, some text. Mine is, this rest comes with enjoyment. Okay? So uh, Josh and I are going to demonstrate in a duet um, right back from the school days. Okay, go for it. Rest. Rest. A bit faster. Rest. Rest. Let's have a round of applause for Josh. So this pattern is built into us as creation, built into all of creation. And really, God, in his brilliant ways, designed our souls and our society to flourish and thrive in this way. Then in Exodus 10, as Tara read out, we read that God sets the commandment for his people to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days labor, and then the seventh day, a Sabbath to your Lord. And then it says, four in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but rested on the seventh day. So we see this word Sabbath starts to be used. The word Sabbath in Hebrew means to stop, to stop, to cease. And we see here in Exodus, it's rooted in creation and into the example that God sets. And so it is also described as a Sabbath to the Lord. Now, what that means is a day, a stop, a practice, a habit of dedicating ourselves again to God, which is different to just a sit on the sofa like a vegetable, throw on the TV, slob out day off. It's a different thing. 
It is a different thing. And a way you could think about it is a Sabbath rest means a rest which realigns our hearts to God. It realigns us. We've ended up pointing in all sorts of different directions. and It realigns us to God. So here's my question. Is, is it still relevant for us today? Do we still need habits and practices to help us stop and to help us realign our hearts with God? I think we do, and I've got three principles to unpack. They're all going to come up on screen. Principle one, a life lived without deep, satisfying rest is a rejection of God's design for our bodies, minds, emotions, and relationships. Principle two, Sabbath isn't a have-to-do thing. It's a get-to-enjoy thing. And it remains a biblical and effective weapon for getting free from do more, get more, be more. We'll unpack all of that means in a sec. And then a real soul principle. Developing habits of rest are crucial, but ultimately it's in Jesus that our identity changes to a nothing left to prove rest. So we're going to unpack those. Principle one, a life lived without deep, satisfying rest is a rejection of God's design for our bodies, our minds, our emotions, and our relationships. If we look back to those two columns, right, the relentlessness and the rest you know what? God didn't design us to be hurried, distracted, discontent, worried. And actually, for us to live a relentless life at a relentless pace, even if society around us does, you know what? It's not the way that God's created us. And so I don't think it works for us mentally, emotionally, physically, or relationally. Mentally, if we are constantly, relentlessly busy, we'll grow lethargic, numb, uncreative, distracted, and restless. Emotionally, we'll grow unhealthy, irritable, angry, cynical, overwhelmed. Physically, I've been in this place, tired, worn out. Our immune system starts to falter. Relationally, guys, relationships take time. They need space. If you want to love a spouse, if you want to grow to be a great parent with the dedications today, you know what? Friends and neighbors, to love, we need time and space. And in all different ways, each of us has pushed the margins, tried not to be limited, you know, tried to be like God. But even God rested on the Sabbath. So that's principle number one. Second principle, this one's going to take us a little time to unpack because it's very long. Sabbath isn't a have to do, but a get to enjoy, a biblical and effective weapon for getting free from do more, get more, be more. Okay, so do more, get more, be more. Let's unpack that. So our culture pushes us to do more. It pushes, pushes, push-ups, pushes. What's the outcome? How's it going? When can it be done? What's the deadline? But we can end up, as Christians, with a desire to accomplish things and to achieve things that goes beyond a healthy desire and becomes a corrupting desire. It becomes, maybe for us, careerism, a driving force where we push beyond our limits. And that becomes busyness and anxiety and it can turn into exhaustion and sort of emotional numbness when we're just always pushing to do more. Idolatry in the Bible really means that we take something that was good and maybe even unintentionally we make it the primary thing in our life. And we can idolize our status, right? We want to do more because we want status. We want people to look up to us. We want people to respect us. We want people to think, wow, check him out. So we do more and we do more and we do more. 
But, you know, when we put something in the primary importance in our lives, our emotions get tied to it, don't they? Our decisions begin to be formed by it. And that's not the way God wants us to live. Our culture, it doesn't just push us to do more, it pushes us to get more. Surely we all know this. More food, more drink, more devices, more clothes, more properties, more stamps on the passport, more experiences. And, and we can end up living our lives, even as Christians, as if genuinely getting more things will make us happier. People might look at our lives and think, well, they must believe they'll be happier because they've always got new stuff or new experiences. And no, right, we can make an idol of our comfort. We just want to make sure everything in our life is there so that we're just mitigating against a bad day. Or maybe even a a challenge that God might want to take us through. We're like, oh no, we'll keep that at arm's length, all of our stuff. That's the get more of society, right? Or or security. We just want to have a feeling that whatever happens, we are secure. We don't need God or others for security. We'll be secure in our own things. Culture also, and maybe our human condition, pushes us to want to be more. It's not just do more and get more, it's be more. Be more beautiful, be more eligible, be more popular. And for sure, seeing other people's best bits on social media has an impact on us. We want to be more. And maybe we idolize that feeling of happiness that we think we might get from being successful or popular. But even if you recognize some of those things in your lives, all of us, all of us live in a culture where these are the pressures. These are the pressures. The currents under the water, actually, some of them are quite strong. And so if we're following Jesus... These be more, get more, do more, these link to our need to have a habit to stop, to rest, to enjoy God. As Christians, our decisions, our feelings, our identity need to be rooted in Jesus and Jesus alone. And he tells us we can't serve two masters. John Mark Comer links it back to rest this way. At some point, you have to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm good. I don't need another pair of shoes, another decorator item for my bookshelf, another toy for my garage, another day at the spa. I have enough. What I really need is time to enjoy what I have with God. And so this is the way I'm going to summarize this. We need ways to realign ourselves back to Jesus, weapons to fight back against do more, get more, be more of our human condition and of our culture. And guys, I'm going to tell you, Sabbath rest is one of those weapons. And really, the whole sermon series is going to cover some of the ways we can push back against this. So we're talking about this second principle. Sabbath isn't a have-to-do, but it's a get-to-enjoy, a biblical and effective weapon to get free from do more, get more, be more. So let's, let's talk a bit about how is it a biblical and effective weapon? How is the Sabbath going to help us get free? Well, we said the word Sabbath means to stop, just to stop. And I have found, as have others in the church that I've spoken to, that it is still powerful to have an actual day where we plan to stop. To stop driving forward, working, wanting more, shopping, worrying, and just to really slow down and stop. We might think that do more, be more, get more, careerism, materialism will give us contentment. But you know what? When we slow down long enough, routinely, 
to enjoy life with God, we realize that they were never meant to. They were never meant to make us content, and they never will. I heard in another sermon uh, on this topic, someone talk about the concept of a one-minute story time with their child, a one-minute bedtime story. We've not got dedications today. Top tip. Don't do a one-minute bedtime story. But this guy was saying, like, he's wanted to publish this book of one-minute bedtime stories because he felt, you know what? Putting my kids to bed is overtaking my time and things, other things I want to do. This is the society we live in. This is actually some of the human condition. It's selfishness, right? And so when we think about slowing down, having a day of the week, it is the antithesis of that actual thing. <laughs> Kez and I have been, since 2020, trying to include a plan in our week, on a Saturday usually, to have a Sabbath day, a Sabbath rest. And with a family, that means we're not going to go and make lots of different plans and lots of different places to do lots of different things. Instead, we're going to say we clear the calendar. We just clear the calendar. It's a recognition that me and Kez feel like we can't live our lives without a deep, satisfying rest point in the week. And I'm not sure God wanted us to. And I'm not sure that's in our DNA as created beings. And so for us, we try to incorporate more enjoyment of God's gifts into our Saturdays, more realigning of ourselves with God. Since we've been doing it, I would say we have really learned to you know, believe this phrase. We don't have to do it, but we get to enjoy it. We don't always do it, and we don't always do it well. But when we do slow down and incorporate into our family life some slowness and some enjoying of what God has given us, we say, wow, this is a real gift you've given us, God. More time together as a family. Slower time talking with our kids about God. Gratitude. Looking at what he's done, what he's doing in our lives. And a feeling that we're maybe just rebelling a little bit against culture, which is trying to keep us working and doing things all day on the Saturday. There's a, a Christian author who's written a very hard-hitting book about Sabbath called A.J. Swoboda. He says, The Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. The result is that our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It's not as though we don't love God. We love God deeply. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. We've become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history, which is a strong statement. Am I saying that today you all need to have every single week a day that you call your Sabbath? Well, I'm not saying it's a have to do. I'm saying it's something we get to enjoy. But I would say sometimes setting aside a day would mean you would enjoy more of what God has given you and be able to acknowledge the giver. Now, let's think outside of just a day. Sabbath rest you know what? As believers, we're not just going to leave all of our time with God and all of our realignment just to one day of the week. In Mark 1, we read, Jesus, very early in the morning when it was still dark, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Luke 5, Jesus, it says, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let me ask you this morning, are you able to escape to spend some time with your father, to enjoy him? Is that a habit Monday to Sunday? Greg and I were talking a little bit about the sermon series, and he said a question he sometimes thinks is, in the last 12 months, have I made myself available 
to draw close to God more than I did in the past? Or am I gradually withdrawing myself and my time from the Father? I think that's a good way to think about it. That's a challenge, especially, especially with kids and jobs. But this isn't a guilt trip. I want to give you a desire to realign yourself with your father regularly. I am going to talk to you about this Nokia, right? This Nokia is a dumb phone. So in Lent, not that long ago, I decided that as much as possible, I would not use my smartphone. I still needed to use my iPhone for a few things at work, um, but I would use my dumb phone. And this can do texts and calls, right? It's got a torch. It's got a headphone socket. Some of your phones don't have those. Um, but using this helped me to realize for 40 days I was really hooked on this. And then when there was a moment where nothing was happening, I was patting my pockets. Where's my smartphone? Oh, it doesn't do anything. I've got nothing to do. I could read the same text again. Um, why am I telling you about that? Well, when I went back to using my smartphone after Lent, I had changed my habits a bit. And it made me think, oh, do, I, do I want to check my phone? What am I going to check? Have I even got a plan for what I'm going to look at? And so what happened was my decision to spend a certain amount of time, 40 days, realigning myself, maybe not just going the way that society does, trying to think something through, it spilled into, it overflowed into the period afterwards. I would say me and Kez have found that with a Saturday carved out of a slow day, that actually spills into the rest of the week. You're just a bit more grateful all round. You're just a bit more aligned with God all round. You end up having more conversations with your kids about the things you learn on the Saturday all round. So you don't have to do a day, but I would say that is a good way for it to spill into the rest of your life. Okay, so that is Sabbath isn't a have to do, but a get to enjoy, a biblical effective way to get free from the do more, get more, and be more. I hope this has been helpful for you so far. I want to give you a few practical tips. So if you this morning think, I would actually like to try a day in the week, maybe this next summer holidays, you're going to try this a couple of times, where your household, your family is going to Sabbath rest. There is no formula, right? This is going to look different for different people in different stages of life. I've enjoyed chatting this through with Ross and Hannah, who aren't here this morning. They're away resting, I think. Um, but talking to them about, well, what do they do? You know, they've not got kids yet. And, you know, just talking to them about how do you do Sabbath? So it is different. But me and Kez, you know, we've thought this through. I've got a few tips and they're going to come up on screen. Some things to try and some things to avoid. Start by setting aside a day. Clear your diary. Let's start with your things to avoid. When you get to resting, because our nature and our culture isn't good at resting, you might realize you're not exactly sure how to rest. You're not exactly sure how to just enjoy time with God. And so my top tip is, Avoid the temptation to do jobs around the house and avoid the temptation to just sit on the sofa with the TV on. Those aren't the sorts of rests that we're talking about. That's not what this Sabbath thing is. We are pretty much addicted to our smartphones, as I've already said. That's a problem that I've found in the past. And what I would say is me and Kez would love to grow in just turning our phones off for longer periods at the weekend especially. And I'll give you the challenge, you know, do you need your phone when you're with your kids at the dinner table? Do you need your phone at all on a Saturday? Could you do a Friday night through to Saturday night of turning your phone off? Oh my God, that'd be a lot. Um, okay, things to try. Think about what draws your heart towards recognizing God's goodness and his presence in your life. What makes you joyful in God? And that's where your list will be totally different to mine, but Kez and I have found that uh, 
in, from 2020 onwards, a big church in America called Saddleback have been releasing kids' materials for families to use where there's a memory verse, there are some songs, and there's a Bible story and some prayers to do. And so part of our new tradition on a Saturday is that we like to, in the morning, try and do some memory verses, some songs, some stories, and some prayers with our kids. And we have to look a bit silly when we do the dancing, and it's great. We do some laughing on a Saturday. It's brilliant. You don't have to do exactly the same thing, but what's, what's the equivalent in your family or in your household where you can just start a day slowly with God in mind? We really try not to cook or do a load of housework, and that has made a big difference because you're not always there feeling like you've got to sort the kitchen out. All right, so that, that is my tips. You can take a photo or whatever. I'm happy to send this around if anyone needs it. But that's the end of principle two, and principle three, you'll be pleased to know, is just short, but it is a soul principle. Developing habits of rest are crucial, but ultimately it is Jesus, in Jesus, that our identity changes to a nothing-left-to-prove sort of rest. Okay, so Mark Sibbins is going to come up. I told you there'd be some acting. And David is going to come up. Mark, pop yourself there. Okay, I realize I'm a wordy preacher, right? There's a lot of words. The principles are long. Like, there's a lot of passages, so we're just going to act this one out. Okay, Jesus says... Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. So Jesus says we can come to him and he'll give us rest. And the good news is that's not temporary relaxation. That is deep, permanent soul rest. Now, David here is demonstrating for us what it's like to have to prove yourself in life. To have to prove yourself in life. We can sometimes feel uh, we have a need. Thanks, David. We have a need to defend ourselves. We have a need to prove ourselves, to be self-sufficient, to build a name for ourselves. And so people might come across us and they might be doing something that we feel we need to defend ourselves. And it's, it's busy work, right, David? You're defending yourself. And other times they might just ignore you and walk away. And then it's, it's busy. It's, it's exhausting to always try and get other people's attention. Brilliantly done. All right, stay there. <laughs> for all that this is an illustration, for some of you here, if, you, if you've never, ever realized that you can be at rest in your soul because of Jesus... Let me tell you, seriously, it is tiring having to be self-sufficient. It is tiring having to prove yourself. It is exhausting, constantly needing to get attention from others. Now, Mark, on the other hand, what a brilliant actor right here. (laughs) Mark here has come to Jesus weary and burdened. And Jesus has said, you know what? It's okay. You can just enjoy being with me. And Jesus says, if you don't know him this morning, he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your savior, but he also wants to be Lord of your life. But him being Lord of your life means that he'll do your protecting for you. The Bible talks about him defending us. It also talks about him asking us to be dependent on him. And that's hard for us in our condition and in our culture. But as we depend on him and spend time with him, we realize that 
what Jesus offers is not to use us to our limit or to exhaust us, but is to have a relationship with us and to enjoy our company and for us to be able to stop striving all the time to prove ourselves. Thank you both very much. So if, if you're not a Christian here, I would like to encourage you as Pete comes up to come to Jesus and accept his invitation to rest. Not to prove yourself constantly, but just to enjoy a relationship with him. If you are a Christian, let me encourage you. Come to Jesus and recognize your need for him this morning and your need for him more than doing more, getting more, being more. And consider using a Sabbath day as a weapon against those shifting culture undercurrents that we talked about earlier on. Praise God.